From WLWT, this is Let's Talk Cincy. Hello everyone, I'm Curtis Fuller. Cultural critic and playwright, Lawrence Neal once said, the artist and the political activists are one. Over the years, artists have used their talents to address issues of social turmoil and injustice. Witness Cincinnati, courtesy videographer and editor Michael Carnavali, as he shows us our intersection of the arts and activism by way of a mural that boldly says Black Lives Matter. Please. Please. At the end of the day, what I know I think we is we're better than this. And so it has felt like, you know, there's times when there's so much pain in your heart. We feel like sometimes, you know, we get treated a little unfairly. Time for us to take on that mantle and make change happen. We want to stop seeing our people being killed. Cincinnati will witness the power of art. This is big. This is a monumental project that allows us to capture history in the making. Like, we are a part of history. We really just want to just change. We want to change everything and change how how we all just unite with one another. 16 Cincinnati artists to express visually what they and so many people are feeling. If it becomes real, then it has the capacity to change the hearts and minds of people. One city block in front of City Hall, now a concrete canvas. I knew that we needed to put something right here. City Hall isn't the White House, but City Hall is still a very uh, central location and it's a powerful place to have a message like this. We pray that uh, when they look out their windows and they're you know, making decisions that they have our best interests in mind. Each lead artist is assigned a specific letter. Each person will have a few assistants as they bring to life their imagery. I'm very excited. I think it's really in line with some of the things that I'm practicing actively in my studio and to have a chance to, to bring it out of my studio and make it public is, is just, I, I, can't, I couldn't explain it in words. Being able to stand up and say, you know what, I want to see my child grow into an adult as a black mother of three and a black business owner, that's primarily what my mural is depicting. So this was an opportunity to make that statement through art. Annie Ruth's work has been displayed throughout the world. She says this project is a healing mechanism. I see the love, the care, the concern, and that's what I try to depict. Even some, even cities twice as big as this city have not done uh, a mural on this scale. And I'm just glad to be that, you know, we get to help the city become part of a national conversation. But what the city did is they made sure that this message was their message. And compared to other cities, you know, not tooting our own horn, but I think that Cincinnati is going to be number one. And up next, the influence of the theater, how one local theater is using the stage as a tool for social change. If you think of Lorraine Hansberry or James Baldwin, you understand the influence of the theater and the movement for social change. 
I recently received a note from a longtime friend, Len Myers, the artistic director over at the Ensemble Theater of Cincinnati and over the Rhine. She said theater demands society examine itself in the mirror. The arts have served as an inspiration for what should be the collective human condition. From the unrest of 2001 following the police shooting of an unarmed black teenager to the current cries for social justice and police reform. Myers told me the Ensemble Theater's mission remains clear. She said, we create the future every moment the lights go up. Theater can be a tool that tries harder, heals more, and opens doors more to discussion. I believe that theater is an opportunity for conversations that you can't have at a city council meeting, that you can't have uh, in the middle of a protest. You, you have to listen and share, and theater gives us the voice to do that. In my own world, I was torn for many years between the law and theater. I had always expected I'd become a defense attorney. That was my chart all the way, pretty much till I got to, to college. And then what I realized is that um, as much as I have great faith and as much as I want to be part of what's just, I started to find that people listen to you more in a quote entertainment or in a st on a stage where you could be together as a community, even if you're together for two hours in the same room. You're with a community of people that you're different than your everyday. It's not your circle, it's an expanded circle. So ensemble proved to be, for me, a very strong gathering place, a very strong place where people's opinions and ideas could be accepted. And uh, we do say in our mission that we have a social conscience. Do we need to have a stronger one going forward? Yes, we all do, absolutely. And that challenge is clear and present and necessary. Tell him to stay away from there. What are you talking about? The cops. I tried to tell him you're dangerous. Wait, wait, what are you telling me, girl? You got police after my brother? No, no, I tried to warn him to be careful. The lack of censorship in theater is extraordinary. Um, we've been deeply supported by a board that may not always like what we do and subscribers that may not always like it, but they don't say you shouldn't have done that. Whatever those topics are that are tough and hard, they're always sincerely what's in the mind of the community. A 16-year-old boy they shot last week, Larry Payne. Larry Payne? Larry Payne, I'll never forget his name. Well, we back, and we're going to do it right this time, so Larry Payne won't have to die in vain. Oh. 01 was a pivotal year the way 2020 is. Different, you know, but the complete outrageous crimes that were happening against our black society in 01, you know, I'm sorry that we're sitting here 19 years later and that hasn't changed, but, but we addressed it. is uh, a look at the uh, academics in our world and how sadly the pipeline from school to prison is a present pipeline for so many young black men in our country. Um, it's not an easy play. 
It's an honest play uh, in the way that Dominique Morisot's piece, Skeleton Crew, last year looked at the plight of the working class and what happened when uh, the, the auto industry tanked in, in Detroit and how that's an individual story as well as a universal one. Uh, pipelines and individual stories set against the backdrop of this universal issue of losing too many young, strong black men to the prison system. And then their lives are scarred forever. They don't get to restart the way some others do. So it's a look at one woman who's a teacher whose son is in a private school and an incident happens there. She teaches in a, in a city school. He goes to a private school. What happens when the convergence of the parents, the other teachers, the students, uh, the girlfriend of the young man, what happens when that world collides over one few minute incident that goes viral? And how does your life come back from that? How incredibly necessary in this moment when we got into this moment on March the 12th, we didn't know George Floyd's name. We didn't know the other names of these people that we're now, you know, righteously fighting for and defending their lives. Uh, Pipeline is a play about defending all lives. It is a play about young men who don't get a chance getting that chance. And that the defense of lives, um, even though there may be one, in one incident can ruin a man's life forever. One incident can take a man's life forever, particularly black men. And that's not okay in 2020. That wasn't okay in 1920. So, so Pipeline takes a look in the mirror at the academic system. It takes a look of, to us in the mirror to say, what can you do personally to change it? And what can we do from the first time somebody walks into a classroom or even has an online class, what can we do to make that a truly educational welcoming and gauging somebody for their best success as opposed to using a set of ar archaic rules and antique and rules from antiquity that don't matter anymore rules that that cannot possibly be inclusive of the people in our world this is not okay in cincinnati and it's not okay in our country young black men and i worry when they leave here at night i worry and that is not the way to be in a civilized world that is not okay you know, the stuff my grandfather fought against in the 60s and kept getting arrested for, you know? I mean, that fight's still going on. And then my dad, I don't know if you know, my dad was a cop. Yeah. So uh, there were two very different viewpoints. And of course, I mean, you know, District 1, District 1, we fought with a lot in 01, uh, but I'll also, you know, I'll have to say if it wasn't for uh, Jim Whalen, you know, he, he stepped up for us big time, you know? But it was a different. It was a different. It was a different energy, Curtis, than now. Do do you? I mean, it's not my job to ask you a question. Sorry. I was just going to say it feels. The difference that I feel now is I believe the change. The difference in '01, I thought there would be some changes in the Cincinnati area, and there there were, and there were changes in over the Rhine, and uh, that change still is in process. But I think the difference now is that I see the unity for change. Uh, I see the, the protesters as a mix of all ages and races. Uh, I see a powerful, unified message for justice. I don't think that it is, um, it is taking personally when one of us are killed, that all of us are killed. And that's a different, very different message than 01. 01 was a rage of 13 young men completely unjustly losing their lives. Now that we can see in front of us someone lose their life, that call to action is stronger than it's ever been. And Vine Street, you know, I'm really proud to be on Vine. 
because it connects downtown to Clifton. It is the connecting vine. And this is a place where a lot of, I hope, change continues to happen. As long as, as, long as ETC's here, and we plan to be here, uh, you know, we're not gonna back down from that. No justice! No peace! ETC has been closed during the COVID-19 health crisis. It closed one day after the opening night of Pipeline. But Myers said when the theater reopens, the stage production of Pipeline will continue. And you know, while we are talking about the theater, I always understood the influence of the theater on social discourse. As many of you know, I grew up in the Hill District of Pittsburgh. What's significant about this is I was in walking distance to the childhood home of one of the greatest playwrights of the 20th century, August Wilson. He founded the Black Horizon Theater in the Hill, which gave a voice from the stage about black life and the push for equal rights and justice. Up next, creating open discussions in a rather unique forum and the art inspired by one young voice who says black lives matter. Welcome back. The path to understanding and common ground comes from listening to one another. WLWT News 5's Brandon Seho takes us to OTR, where art and dialogue are literally being brought to the table. People coming together to talk together. The plywood that once boarded up businesses after protests was turned into art and has now turned into tables, becoming the centerpieces for tough conversations. There was a conversation going on about the art that was on the walls that we felt like uh, wasn't the full narrative. Uh, it, was, it was pretty art, great, but you know what, what happened for that art to be up there? What are the messages on the art? Uh, what do we hope to come from that art? So we uh, kind of very quickly shut down the street and decided to create a platform for people to talk about that and really lead the conversation forward in terms of what do we want to happen. It's going to take collective ideas to move the city forward. So I think, um, no, I, I don't think, I know <laughs> that we have to have some tough conversations in order for change to happen. Um, and it was tough that these, you know, windows were broken. It's disappointing that people feel that hurt, that it's expressed. and. I want to make sure that their hurt is acknowledged, that our city heals, that our people heal, and that we're able to move this whole community forward in a positive way. I want us to start coming together more, start having the real conversations, the tough conversations, and really start out charting out a path to move forward. You know, I think for so long, we've been okay with incremental progress and incremental change, but we want to shift that finally. And we want to actually get to a point where black folks are leading the conversation more so than uh, coming to the table. And we want to create our own tables where we can actually start leading as well. The one thing that I do want to make sure that um, people know, it's not going to take one event. It's not going to take one conversation around the table. This is the start. We hope they continue to pop up both physically and symbolically and um, that this really is the start of, of some positive progress. Well, this next story is about positive progress. It's about a little girl here in Cincinnati who inspired an artist miles away to visually express why black lives matter. Here's WLWT News 5's Jatera McGee. It's like white people and black people, they're still human beings. She may be just six years old, but there's a lot we can learn from Jordan Smith. 
the kindergarten graduate embodies the change so many wish to see. Everybody should come together and pray and be together and love each other. We talked with her on the streets of Cincinnati with her brother and grandma at a peaceful protest. The people that say Black Lives Matter, it made me proud, happy. It made me feel like I was, made me feel like I was a person. Those words echoed, replayed, and were shared throughout the country, causing pause and inspiration in places little Jordan doesn't know exist. Uh, I was just struck by the sincerity of her words and how true they must ring for countless uh, children. Heather Romano from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, processes life through art. When she heard Jordan's words, she will never not matter. She picked up her paintbrush. I gave her big, beautiful hair and I put flowers in it to kind of represent all the growth and possibilities that are going on right now. It looks just like me. The picture was beautiful. Beautiful, just like me, so. <laughs> it just made me feel proud that somebody was listening. Mary Watkins says her granddaughter is seeing history unfold and changing it. Maybe she'll be able to tell her kids and her grandkids all about what, how this picture became. She's just learning to read the words, I am a person, but she knows what they mean. It means that black life matter and they should all come together. Don't you love Jordan? Wow. Next is the story of a young movie producer using her talents to honor her father, who has been a longtime fighter for racial justice and economic inclusion. Kaya Klingman is the daughter of Jim Klingman, the founder of the Cincinnati African-American Chamber of Commerce. Kaya is a Princeton High School grad and Howard University graduate. Her film to honor her father who's battling ALS, is called Eavesdropping on the Elders. It's a story about the importance of listening to the lessons of the past to confront the issues of our future. So my dad and I have been having conversations uh, the past couple months since all of this went down. And it's interesting because a lot of the things that are happening now and a lot of the things that are coming to light and that um, our activists are speaking about now is what my dad has been preaching for the last 25 to 30 years. And so, um, it's it's almost a relief at what he's seeing, but it's also like, man, if only we would have done this years ago, maybe all of these lives, we, these people would still be alive. Me being able to push out even the trailer right now is just more purposeful, it's more intentional, especially with what's happening in our society right now, in our community. One day I overheard a conversation. I am not going to rest until our people are free. The more I listened, I could have freed thousands more if only they knew they were slaves. The more I knew they wanted me to hear what they had to say. Our people were lynched. See, that's why we need Brother Jim here. Eavesdropping on the Elders is a project that is adapted from a piece of my dad's book. And although we are seeing progress now, more progress than my dad said he, he thought he would ever see, because it just seemed like um, you know, he spent his entire life fighting for us and fighting for black people. And I wanted to give him something that he would appreciate, but also something that will contribute to his legacy and be able to survive and thrive beyond him. And we wish our friend Jim Klingman well.
Up next, the art of the spoken word during social conflict, a call for truth when we're divided. The dictionary tells us the word divided can mean separated, in disagreement, not united. With the creative genius of video editor Austin Maynard, watch as local writer, author, and poet Reggie Johnson shares his perspective about where we stand divided. A world divided. We live in a world where things such as black and white Things that should be black and white become gray and selective depending on topics. The trending topic for several years is what lives matter. There shouldn't be a disconnect, but people should connect the dots and paint the picture of the two different worlds that we live in. Enter the multiverse. Racism marvels and our leaders want to snap away the problem with their Thanos fingers. We're not the problem. We've just been living in this infinite war for generation after generation, where we become conditioned that in order for us to make a change, we must incite a reaction. We have voices, we have actions, we have power, we matter. And we will be our own Avengers creating these blockbuster moments for history, that when people read in textbooks, they will have to fully digest all of this. We are distraught, we are angry, we are drained, we are tired, we are done. We see sometimes what we want to see. We hear only key words or phrases that make us go through these phases of dealing with consequences that a normal troubled heart faces. We are sometimes afraid to speak rationally, so through irrational actions we get our point across. All of these things equate to the world we live in. I usually don't do this, I speak my mind on current events. But when the events currently have me sometimes afraid to do anything, let alone misbehave, I just go numb. Everything goes black. I start to see white. And then we're back in this gray area. I just want things to change. I want my mind to be at ease. Because right now, it's a constant struggle between sadness and anger. And I know people can relate. Well, Reggie is a graduate of Xavier University. His love for writing began when he was only nine years old. He is talented and has a bright future ahead. I've known Reggie all his life. You see, he is the nephew of Derek Turnbow, who sadly was not able to live to fulfill dreams of a future that seemed so bright for him. 30 years ago, Derek was a student at Taft High School and was shot while walking home from school. A street in the West End is now named in Derek's honor. Well, that does it for our program today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Let's Talk Cincy. We want to hear from you. Email us your ideas at ltcwlwt.com.